0: Uh, But not only turn to John 18, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14, put your finger or a pencil or uh, 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 a little piece of paper or something in John uh, 18 and Mark 14 because we're going to jump back and forth. The title of tonight's message uh, is going to make sense in a few minutes, uh, but it is much more than a revolution on a wristwatch. Um, I haven't preached in five weeks, so uh, the creative juices have been flowing, uh, so this will make sense. Uh, But it's much more than just a revolution on a wristwatch. This is what it says, guys, uh, in John chapter 14. I mean, John chapter 18, verse 1. uh, Picking up where we left off, it says this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. For your word, uh, God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. Uh, God, I just pray that tonight in these next few moments, uh, God, as we just briefly look uh, at some very, very important things uh, in scripture, God, I pray that each and every single one of us would be encouraged, that we'd be inspired, God, that we'd be challenged uh, by you and by what you have done. Uh, God, I pray that these would not be my words. Uh, God, anything that would be of me uh, may it fall in deaf ears. Uh, God, but may your perfect word come through. Uh, So God, we just worship you. Uh, God, we praise you. Uh, God, may you just bless the study of your word. And we just pray these things in your son's wonderful, and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Where we pick up, guys, tonight uh, is the tail end uh, of an event that has been taking place in John for quite some time. Uh, John chapter 13 through John chapter 16, we get a glimpse uh, as to what it was like to be at the Last Supper uh, there in the upper room, uh, scholars, biblical scholars, call this portion of scripture the upper room discourse, uh, and and Jesus says some very important things to his disciples. He he he's been doing ministry for three years, speaking to thousands of people, but now as he's coming to the tail end of his ministry, as he's coming to the tail end of his time here on earth, he really narrows down his his scope of who he's going to be talking to. Uh, and rather than this wide scope, it's very focused now. And he's going to be talking, and he has been talking to the 12 disciples. One got up and left the room, uh, and now he's speaking to the 11 closest people to Jesus in his life. And he says some really, really cool things, and we don't have time to review uh, everything. And then we look at John 17, and John 17 we see Jesus praying. Uh, it's really, really cool. It's the longest recorded prayer in Scripture, uh, and it's Jesus praying. and We get a glimpse at the heart of God, uh, and we see Jesus pray not only for himself, not only for his disciples, but for the global church. Uh, and, and it's just really, really cool just to get this glimpse uh, of Jesus. But then we get in verse 1 of chapter 18. Jesus and his disciples, they're done doing their walk. It's, it, it's been this walk from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and Jesus, they cross this little stream over the river and through the woods uh, to the garden uh, is where they're going. Uh, and and Jesus uh, steps over uh, with his disciples, and that's all verse one gives us. And then it picks up in verse two with Judas coming to betray. We're going to get there next week, um, but we're going to look. That's why I had you flip to Mark fourteen also um, because. In this one verse, in the the time that that, that John just says, boom, boom, there is a lot that takes place. There's a lot that's packed into this. Um, And and by by the time John was writing his gospel, the three synoptic gospels had already been written. uh, And and so people were familiar with what's happened. And so John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, didn't feel the need to fill us in. Uh, on all this stuff, but man, Mark, Matthew, and Luke do a really good job uh, painting a picture of what happens uh, in this time. And so um, Jesus, uh, speaking of of missions and everything, Jesus was the best missionary uh, in the history of humanity. Uh, Jesus came with a mission, uh, and he came to fulfill a mission. Uh, Gabe talked briefly about culture shock, how Gabe's going to get a double culture shock because he's got South Africans and Turkish people. Uh, Think about the culture shock, Uh, uh, how many of you guys have ever been on a short-term missions trip before? Anyone ever been on a short-term? I've been on a short-term missions trip. Uh, In Europe, where I was, you have to pay for your toilet paper, and you don't pay for a roll, you pay for the squares. And it's one-ply, and it's expensive, and you don't know this when you're in a public restroom, uh, and then you need toilet paper all of a sudden, and you have to deposit money into this thing that then dispenses toilet paper. It makes for very awkward situations on the streets of Europe. Um, and it happened. It was culture shock. Well, think of the culture shock Jesus would experience uh, being a resident of heaven, coming down, a perfect heaven, coming down to a very imperfect earth. The culture shock must have been something crazy. Uh, but Jesus' mission was coming for uh, this, as, as John Describes it. Jesus is always saying, "My hour is near. My hour is near. My hour is near. The hour has not yet come. Uh, The hour of the Son of Man is not yet here." Well, now we are at the place where Jesus says, "My hour has come." Jesus is in the moment, and that's why this is titled much more than "Revolution Around a Wristwatch." Uh, One hour. For those of you who don't know how to tell time. Uh, on a analog clock. Yeah, it's five weeks, man. Uh, <laughs> it does a lot, um, but no. So, 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 so here's the thing: Jesus's hour is much more than a sixty-minute period. Uh, that the hour that Jesus is referring to, we're gonna we're gonna try and spend some time talking about that tonight, um, but. There's a lot that takes place between verse 1 and 2. So if you're in uh, John 18 and you followed my instructions and you marked John chapter 14, uh, could you turn to Mark chapter 14? uh, And we're going to pick up uh, in verse 32 uh, because Jesus does something here in the garden. If you're taking notes, we're going to just cover two human emotions tonight. Uh, And the first one that we're going to cover is agony. Um, How many of you guys know in this life uh, there are times where we face agony? Jesus is going to give us a great prescription uh, for what it is to face agony and how to face agony uh, here here in these verses. So this is what it says uh, in verse 32 of chapter 14 of the book of Mark. It says this, Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Jesus right here is about to face uh, some of the deepest agony uh, that humanity uh, could ever face. Um, And we get a glimpse. Uh, John does a really good job uh, of giving us a glimpse of the upper room. Uh, Mark is going to give us a very good glimpse of what was really going on uh, as Jesus goes off to pray. Uh, The book of Job, we see a kind of a glimpse into heaven. And when we see Satan come before the throne of God and, and say, hey, let me mess with Job a little bit. And so we can see some things that are taking place in the spiritual realm. Um, and we're going to get a glimpse of some things that take place in the spiritual realm uh, while Jesus is facing uh, this deepest agony. Uh, Luke tells us that, that, that Jesus had 10,000 angels like on call if he needed them. Like at that moment. So the Garden of Gethsemane at this time is full of angels. And, and Jesus is about to do uh, some intense praying. Uh, and he's about to do some intense spiritual warfare. Uh, what Jesus is about uh, to do and is about to kick start. We don't have time to just dive into everything tonight. We could spend uh, multiple weeks on just this one verse. But I'm going to be nice to you. We're going to do 18 verse 1 tonight. We're going to do 2 through half of 18 next week. And then we're going to finish 18 uh, two weeks from now. Um, but what I want us to look at is what Jesus is about to start here in this garden uh, is going to re-correct uh, or correct what man messed up or what man started in the first garden. So what Jesus is going to start in this garden is going to correct what man started in the first garden. And what I'm referring to here uh, is that I'm referring uh, to Eden uh, and, and now Gethsemane. Um, Man, as a result of Adam, uh, sin entered the world. Uh, Paul Paul tells us sin entered the world through one man uh, and his sin. And so uh, the whole course of human history, the whole course of uh, the globe, uh, was cursed by sin all because of one action uh, that was done in the garden. What Jesus is going to do here in his one action in this garden is going to kickstart the greatest rescue mission in the history of, Uh, of the world Uh, but Jesus here in verse 33 uh, Jesus fully God yet fully man he's going to give us a really good look uh, at what it feels like when life sucks Uh, it says that Jesus is troubled and distressed Uh, another way of looking at this other translations would say uh, he is very heavy-hearted and the and the greek word they're used for distress is the same greek word that we get panicked from Jesus is literally having a panic attack, uh, and, we, and when we think of Jesus, we think of, oh, high and mighty God, which he is, but he's also fully human, uh, and so there's been people who've said, well, if you have panic attacks and whatnot, you're just not trusting God. Guys, Jesus had a panic attack, and it was a big-time panic attack, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight, uh, and Jesus was trusting God in the midst of that panic attack. And so you can still have a panic attack when you're trusting God. And and, and, and the way Jesus deals with this is really cool. Uh, Luke says uh, that Jesus, I just said the way he handled it it was really cool. Luke tells us that when he starts getting this way, he falls on his face. That wasn't the cool part I was talking about. You can get a concussion that way. But Jesus falls on his face just because of agony. Uh, And and, and he he says in verse 35, he's praying to the Lord, uh, God his Father, saying... uh, if you have, I mean, if there's any way for what I'm about to experience not to happen, uh, may this pass. May I not have this? Uh, he talks about a cup. Uh, Lord, take this cup from me, Father. Take this cup from me. Uh, and in the cup that he's referring to um, is is symbolic of something in heaven, um, but it's referring to all of the sins of humanity. Uh, it's referring to those both past those present and those future and God the Father is going to pour those things out onto Jesus Jesus is going to take all of the sins of humanity upon his shoulders. He's going to bear uh, the wrath of God uh, from Adam's fall to Cain's murder uh, to Noah's drunkenness, Abraham's doubt Samson's lust, Jonah's running uh, Uzziah. what's that Was he them Oh yeah he that and, and, and he's dreading feeling the emotion of them. Uh, coming because Sunday he knows. Night that he and We're going to get there, brother. Sorry. We're going to get there. <laughs> Ben's done his homework. In five weeks of not studying the Bible on Tuesday nights, Ben's been studying and waiting for this blood part. Um, but we see all the sins of the past uh, Jesus is going to take, but he's also taking all the sins of the future, and he's taking, uh, I mean, every person that Hitler killed, in uh, the crazy psychoticness of Hitler, Jesus is going to experience that. Uh, he's going to experience uh, just, I mean, you name sin, uh, you stub your toe on a jam and you say a bad word. Jesus is going to experience those emotions all in one moment uh, and Jesus is going to take this uh, and, and we're going to get there in just a few weeks but verse 36, Jesus says this, he says Abba Father, all things are possible for you uh, take this cup away I mean I don't want to go through this. I know what is coming my way. Uh, I, I I've been pure my entire life, but now I'm going to take the entire filth of everything upon myself. But he says these words, uh, which are some really really cool words. Uh, he says, nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Um, that's that's a very humble thing to say. Uh, it's a it's a humbling thought, um, but but Jesus uh, gives us a great example here, um, and so we. I wish we could spend more time uh, yeah. on on this, but uh, I want us to 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 continue through the Book of John at a steady pace. But um, we sang that song tonight, uh, the precious blood of Christ. Um, what Jesus is experiencing right here uh what what he is dreading uh what what he is wishing would pass over him uh all of our collective weight of our sin jesus is about to take upon him uh and and the cost that that costs jesus uh is very very heavy and i don't think our minds uh, i know my mind can't fully wrap around it but but the part i can comprehend uh it's crazy, and, and, and I, I can understand why Jesus would be like, yeah, no, I, I don't want this. But he knew, uh, because he's God, uh, that there is only one way for humanity to be uh, to be saved. And, and, and we had a debt that we had to pay. Uh, we owed a debt that we could not pay, but Jesus paid a debt uh, that he didn't owe. And and, and and the crazy thing about this is uh People in the world, and, and and even us as Christians, by our actions, sometimes um, we paint this picture that, that we can do something, uh, that that we can earn our salvation, that that, that we can um, pay the debt for our sins. So, so some people say it's as simple as saying, "Well, no, not not, not. Jesus is the only way. All roads lead to heaven." You know, it doesn't matter. You can be a good person; like it's all good. It's all good. If that were the case. If that were the case, when Jesus said, God, I don't want to do this, take, take this cup from me, if, if there was any other way than Jesus giving his life for God, giving his only son, um, if there was any other way, don't you think God would be like, yeah, you know what, Jesus, the more I think about it, that really is a pretty heavy cup, you know, uh, how about you just tell him to be good, say a few prayers, feed the homeless once a month, and that'll be enough, that'll be enough. I think God would have done that if there was any other way. And when you look at the theological implications uh, and, and, and the things in the Old Testament that are being fulfilled through this, you realize there is no other way uh, than through Jesus and through this act. Um, but, but the debt that we all owe, Romans, uh, it's, it's, it's familiar to most of us, or if not all of us, uh, but the wages of sin is death. Uh, the, the payment for sin uh, is death. Um, and, and, and for all have fallen uh, or for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone's a sinner um, and Jesus Jesus is going to endure uh, what we deserved. Uh, is it fair um, that Jesus take all that? No. Uh, it, it's probably not fair but he loves uh, you. He loves me. He loves us so much. He loves humanity so much that he takes um, this unfair uh, step and he says no I'll take all i will take all their stuff. And, and so when we think about life and we think about the fairness of life, uh, people say, well, life's not fair. Uh, praise God, life's not fair. Uh, because if life was fair, uh, then we would all spend an eternity in hell um, if life was fair. Uh, because we all have a debt that we have to pay. Uh, but Jesus paid it for us. And I think that's really, really, really cool. Uh, ben mentioned uh, just a few seconds ago, uh, and, and Luke points out that Jesus in this moment uh, as as he is facing such agony such distress such panic such depression uh, we're, we're, we're told that Jesus was so distraught and so distressed he even thought of like that it would kill him uh, have, have any of us i I know I haven't been to a place and you don't have to raise your hand or anything but but, but just think uh, there are times where we can face situations that are so uh, depressing that are so um, distraught like, like everything is coming down around us that uh, that we think it's going to consume us. We think it's going to kill us. Uh, we think that death is the only way out of it. Uh, and, and, and these are all emotions that Jesus experienced. Uh, but Jesus gives a really good prescription for when we face those things. Um, he he got down on his knees and he prayed. Uh, and so prayer prayer uh, is is the best. Not one of the best. Prayer is the best remedy uh, for, for, for when things get rough, when things get tough. Uh, but we're told that it got so bad that Jesus began to sweat blood. Um, that's a, actually a real condition. I'm, gonna, I'm not medical in my understanding of things, uh, but it's pronounced hematridosis. No one can tell me if I said that wrong, because I'm all Jumped in like, that's wrong. No, uh, it's, it's, oh, David, it, he's sitting right in front of me. Did I say it right? Well, sure. Hemotidrosis. Yeah. Hematidrosis. Yeah. It's it's a condition of the blood where the the the, the blood vessels uh, in in your first layer of skin, um, due to stress and so much tension on them, they rupture, and the only place for the blood that's pooling under your skin to go is through uh, the the pores that you sweat out of. So the blood mixes with the sweat. Uh, and you begin to sweat, literally, you begin to sweat blood. Uh, and this happens in very rare cases where someone is facing something so traumatic uh, that, that, that there is nothing else for their body physically to do. They, they have already uh, convulsed enough. They've already f- uh, gone through all the mental things enough that their body, uh, out of... Uh, its own defense of itself just starts rupturing blood cells and says, I don't know what to do. And it just starts blowing up and, and there's nowhere for that blood to go but out the uh, the pores. Uh, and what's really, really crazy is about about this. When we think about it, uh, blood's really important to life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think so. Uh, losing this much sweat and this much blood so rapidly, uh, it leads to dehydration very quickly. Uh, and, shock like hardcore shock uh kicks in right away. Uh and so what Jesus what we don't see uh in the reading of scripture but we understand from a medical side of things, Jesus is about to enter shock from a medical standpoint. Uh and that's that's pretty I mean, I we've had stressful days, we've had stressful weeks, we've even had stressful years. Uh I don't know anyone if you have uh, sweat blood uh, I want to hear the story. That sounds really intense. But but Jesus is facing something that not much of humanity faces. And he's facing it as human. We like to discount and just say, well, he's God. Yeah, he could do it. Yeah, he is God, but he was also fully man. That's the divine mystery. But the thing is, he experienced the exact same emotions in the happy-go-lucky, in the depressing, and in the physical side that we feel. And, and so Jesus literally is going through uh, some of the craziest things uh, right now. I think it's important that we note this. Uh, for those of you who are Bible nerds, uh, feel free to write this down. Um, but the garden he's at uh, has a name. It's Gethsemane. And that actually means uh, it's it's in Mark chapter 14. So I'm not going to spell it because uh, I'm not going to try and find it and spell it. I don't have it memorized. But Gethsemane is a very, very important uh, word uh, because it's a compound word of two uh, Greek words. The first being "semeni," which means olive, and geth, the way the Greek language works, it, it flip-flops them. Um, but "semeni," being olive, and geth meaning press. Uh, th- th- this garden's name was Olive Press. It, 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 it was a garden where whoever owned the garden, and uh, most most people... <laughs> (laughs) Uh, in Jerusalem, you don't have gardens in the big city, it's like New York City, you don't have like downtown New York City, you don't have a big like yard with a nice garden and everything, there's no room for it, so the rich people in Jerusalem would own plots of land outside the city walls, and they'd have their own individual walled gardens with uh, locks on the gates and keys, Uh, and and, in the gospel cells, Jesus goes here often, so Jesus had a friend who owned this garden and let Jesus have free reign, So, So so... uh, but what this person, uh, we can dissect from scripture, this person who owned it uh, had an olive press there and it was named uh, after the olive press. Um, and it, it's interesting, how many of you guys know the process of, of olive presses? Anyone know? Uh, D- David knows, Gabe shaking his head yes. Uh, I learned, uh, and it's really, really cool. Um, the first time they press, olives are always pressed twice. Uh, the first time they are pressed, the stone crushes them. Uh, and, and, and it tears apart um, the the outer membrane or the skin of the olive, uh, and it releases just a little bit of oil. Just a little bit, not much. But the oil that's released, that's what we can go by as extra virgin olive oil. Uh, it's that first oil that's released. Then it's crushed a second time, but when it's crushed a second time, it like pummels the entire olive pit and everything. and And, and the second time is where you get the most oil, and it's from... Uh, the core of the olive or the pit of the olive. Uh, and, and It's a more bitter oil. Uh, it's, it's it's used for different things, but uh, it serves two f- functions uh, in, in the pressing of an olive. Um, just like Jesus, uh, he's about to be crushed or he's being crushed right now, uh, and he's, he's experiencing such agony and such crushing uh, blows from just the thought of the cross, but then he's going to face uh, a more final crushing uh, where where it's a bitter time. Uh, it, Jesus is giving his life. God is pouring out his wrath on him. But uh, Jesus being crushed twice uh, for us and, 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 the, and the implications there. Uh, and I think it's just kind of cool that, that it ties in with the name. Uh, that's why I just said for the Bible nerds. Uh, if that doesn't mean anything or that doesn't make you go, oh, that's awesome. Uh, just discount that. Write it off on the side. Um, but the The fact of the matter is, Jesus has done this uh, for us. So, 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 Jesus faces agony. Jesus faces uh, distress. Jesus fake, uh, f- faces uh, depression and panic. Uh, he faces shock. Um, but at the same time, Jesus is facing these human emotions. The disciples uh, are facing another emotion, and that is the emotion of lethargy. Everyone say lethargy. Uh, it it just means being lazy. Uh, And verse thirty-seven says Jesus goes back. Uh, Yeah, that's where we get lethargic. Uh, Verse thirty-seven, Jesus goes back and he finds his disciples sleeping. Uh, And 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 this is the part that I really want us just to end on uh, tonight, uh, because Jesus asks his disciples to stay watchful and to stay vigilant while he goes to pray. Um, He comes back and he says, "Hey, couldn't you stay awake with me? Couldn't you stay awake with me? Couldn't you stay awake with me?" But Jesus asked them to be watchful and to be vigilant, and that's the very same thing that he told the disciples when he went back to heaven was to be watchful and to be diligent and vigilant. He said, wait for my return, but go and tell people, Uh, and the crazy thing with these disciples is they fell asleep uh, and they were lazy. They, They just spent the last few hours talking with Jesus, Jesus was saying all the cool things, Jesus even said, one of you is going to betray me. And while they're walking to the garden, they get into a debate, the disciples, about who's the better disciple and who will stay with Jesus the longest. And when Jesus asked them, will you just stay awake and be watchful, they all fell asleep. It's Very, very ironic that they're talking about how I'm the greatest. I'm doing this awesome stuff for you. I'm going to be sitting at the right hand. And, and then they fall asleep so quickly. And, and it, it, it paints a picture that I think uh, I know my, me, myself, uh, I've I've been thinking about uh, more recently, and and the question is this. Uh, Jesus has asked me to be watchful and to be vigilant and and, and to be diligent about what he has called us to do. Just like he had done this with the disciples. Um, And I wonder if Jesus were to come back, make his way back down from praying. I wonder if Jesus were to come back. Would Jesus be like, hey, Matt, wake up. Couldn't you just stay with me a little bit longer? Or if Jesus would be like, hey, thanks for being watchful. Thanks for being vigilant. Thanks for thanks for doing what I asked you to do. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in Revelation, he writes seven letters to seven churches. Um, and we've been going through them on Sunday mornings. And, and he writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. Uh, and, and it's a letter that uh, we talked about this morning in, in our staff devotions. Uh, and it made me think. And he says to the church, he said, I know your heart, your works. You do great things. Uh, you have much love. You do all these things. But I have this one thing against you, that you've left your first love. Not that you forgot it, not that you have lost it, but you've left it. You've, you, you've knowingly walked away from your first love. And, and the church of Ephesus, they got so caught up in doing good, they forgot why they were doing the good. It was all about Jesus saying, hey, it's, it's what made me think about my life. If Jesus were to write me a letter, if Jesus were to, 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 to write a letter and say uh, to the angel of Matthew, say these things, uh, what would Jesus say? And, and I found myself thinking, uh, would Jesus say, hey, I know your heart, I know this, I know this, I know this, uh, but I have this against you, that you've lost your first love, or, or you've left your first love. And, it, and when I thought about that, um, I, I was very quickly convinced uh, that he would not say, you've left your first love, uh, because I know my heart, God knows my heart, and I haven't left my first love. But I wonder if Jesus would say, uh, yeah, you've kept your first love. You haven't kept your first zeal, and it made me think. I was like, I, 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 as, as I was allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of just do some work on me, uh, I was wondering uh, because I'm probably not alone in this. Uh, but, but many of us, if not all of us, uh, we love the Lord uh, and, and we're serious about following Jesus. But I wonder if we're as excited today as we were when we first gave our heart to the Lord. Or maybe it wasn't a super exciting moment, which would be an anomaly. But uh, and you're super excited now. Uh, the question might be, could you be more excited? And the more we talked about this this morning, uh, I, I, I was fleshing some things out. In my mind bouncing it off of my dad and off of Dan Alfonso. Uh, I, I was just thinking to myself. I was like, you know, people can look and they can be like, oh yeah, man, you're crazy on fire for the Lord. You're like you're zealous. You're doing all these things for the Lord. But the perceived zeal versus the zeal that only I know and only God knows uh, I know where I can be better I know where I can do things more uh, I, I had mentioned uh, after Sunday uh, I played bass guitar on the worship team you know and and I it was a bad week for me on bass I, I hit so many no- like I couldn't remember a time in five months where it was that bad but I, I started saying I was like man if you were like I didn't notice I didn't notice oh man like and so there's a perceived side of things, there's a perceived side of things, um, but I, being someone who, who likes music and, and who's been around music a long time, I knew where I had messed up. I knew what was wrong. I, I knew that I, that I had failed horribly in, in these areas, whereas other people who were just observing could know no, and, and it made me think, and then the correlation to be drawn there was uh, on a spiritual side. I know where I am spiritually, and I know spiritual things, so I know when I fall short in the yeah. spiritual side of things. Where it's like, people can look and be like, oh, like no, like you love people, you talk to people, you you, you, you preach, you do all these things. But then I know down in the recesses of my heart, it's like, ah, but I could be more excited about this. Like I remember times in my life where I was more zealous about the things of the Lord. I remember there was times where I was more zealous about being in His Word and studying His Word. And so it just made me think, if Jesus were to write a letter to me today, or if Jesus were to ask me to, to stay and wait and be watchful and be vigilant uh, and pray with him, and then he goes off and he returns, what would be the state of his return? Would he return to a mat that's sleeping? Would he return to uh, a Sam that was sleeping? Would he return to a Rosa or a David? Would he return to an Ecclesia? Uh, that is sleeping when he said be watchful and be vigilant or would he return to one that was ready alert watching around in this garden like what's coming what's coming Uh, would he come back to a church uh, that when he said look the field is white and ready for the harvest would he come back they're still sitting there with their with their reaping tools in their hands like yeah man did you you catch the game oh man the clouds it looks so good man that's a big field that's a big field and they're just sitting and Jesus comes back it's like the parable, and I want to just close with this. It's like the parable of, of, of the master who gives the talents, you know? He, he says, hey, I'm going to give you five, I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you one. He says, I'm going to go away for a time. And, and, and he implies, do something, do something. So the one with five goes and makes five more. The one with two goes and makes two more. The one with one doesn't do anything. He just hides it. And he, and he sits back. Well, to the one who made more, he said, all right, take it all. To, to, to you, little was given, uh, and now you've been faithful. Go and do a lot with it. Go and do more. He did the same with the one with two who made more, but to the one who didn't do anything, what does he say? He says, Depart from me, you worker of, you foolish worker of iniquity, and he casts them out to utter darkness. He says, I don't got any use for you. I don't got any use for you. So to bring it full circle, Jesus, he's facing these things, whereas his followers are going. Through a different set of emotions, uh, and, and and Jesus, Jesus, uh, he 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 says, hey, couldn't you couldn't you just stay with me? Couldn't you just stay with me? And uh, Gabe was talking about missions, uh, and, and and I gave that quote about uh, the greatest threat to Christianity is Christians uh, trying to sneak into heaven without doing what God's called us to do. Uh, guys, has called us to be watchful. He said, look, the harvest is ready. And he's called us to be vigilant. Uh, And and that means do something. And and that looks different for each of us. Uh, I'm not saying every one of us is is, uh, tailor-made to go to a mall and talk to people about Jesus. Dan Cheryl, he can do that. He can do it pretty good. Uh, And and it is pretty inspiring. I'm like, dang, I wish I could do that. That's pretty cool. Way to go, Dan. Uh, But for each of us, it's different. But he said do. He said do. I just want to encourage you with the the great words of Phil Knight and Nike: "Just do it." Uh, that's, that's that's biblical, okay? Jesus says, "Just do it." Uh, so, so I know I know we went a little bit longer tonight, um, guys. Be encouraged uh, that that Jesus has gone, he has gone, but he's coming back. What will be the state of his return? How will you be uh, at his return? Uh, so let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you. Uh, God, we praise you. God, thank you that you have gone, uh, but you have said you will return. Uh, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, uh, God, would be diligent, that we would be about our Father's business. Uh, God, and that we would not be oxymoronic Christians, but God, that we would be Christians who are sold out, uh, who are watchful, who are diligent, who are vigilant, uh, and who are doing the work that you have called us to do. God, thank you. God, praise you. in your sense wonderful, and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said. Amen.